Hello, you small people, and welcome to this staggering stories podcast, number forty-six. This music in the background—it makes me want to sing. Oh no, you bloody well <laughs> Spock! Is he dead? I hope so. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm Crumbly. I'm Fake Keith. I'm Adam. I am Real Keith. And we've got a friend with us. We have. We have a friend. Yes. Apparently, well, we dragged her in off the street and gave oh, her a yeah. microphone and a bar of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone say hello to Jean. Hello, Jean. Hello, people I vaguely know. <laughs> and while we're saying hello, we better say hello to His Highness oh, as yes. well. Hello, Hello, Pertwee. He's looking down benevolently on us all. What's first on the agenda? Right. Without further ado, loins quivering in anticipation. <laughs> what? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't think his loins have quivered in a while. <laughs> I'm worried now. <laughs> Without further ado, it's the news with El Presidente. Ooh, quiver. <laughs> Bond. James Bond. You said it was Doctor Who news. Ah, it is. Timothy Dalton is apparently, according to The Sun, <gasps> yep, going and not to be... The no, had not to get one in. Mm. He's going to be a baddie in the last couple of episodes Ooh. of David Tennant's reign. Oh, mm. he's the new master. He regenerates. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting theory. That is an interesting theory. But they're saying a lot of baddies in his last couple. Mm. Mm. So we'll see. Presumably, it's true. He's been uh, seen filming, I believe. Are you sure he was seen filming and he wasn't just kicked off the set for lurking? <laughs> maybe, maybe he's come, stalking. Come Look to LA <laughs> from LA, specially. But apparently, an insider said Timothy Dalton is a big coup for Doc 2 because he's pretty iconic. Sounds like a Sun reporter. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> also on the Doctor Who news front, oh, yes. also according to the Sun, oh, and okay. they had pictures. Oh, oh really? Mm. The Doctor's mother is going to yes. show us. Uh, as yeah. played Claire by... Bloom. Yeah. Claire Bloom from the last... We mentioned mm. her last podcast. But surely... No, she well, she wouldn't be a time lady, would she? She's meant to be human. Or well, have we that abandoned the, that idea? That, it depends if you're going with the Eighth Doctor American movie with the Pertwee logo. But either way, she should probably be dead if Gallifrey is no longer mm. around. Flashback. Um, but we all know Gallifrey is in an alternative dimension that can't be seen and it was never destroyed. And well, yes, we know that. <laughs> 
<laughs> the sun didn't know that. But anyway, that's yeah, what the hasn't been was. mentioned in the sun yet. So primeval news. It hasn't been axed. <laughs> Crumbly's doing his happy little dance here. Happy dance, happy dance. You don't want to see this. See again, this was in the sun, yeah, so you know you do. may want to contain your happy dance. According to the sun, who have been wrong about many, many, <laughs> many things, it had been axed. But ITV said that's not true. Well, there are a lot of rumours flying around actually. Um, these planned mergers with um, Channel Four and uh, Channel Five and such—they've been uh, yeah. bantered around. Uh, apparently, ITV might be sort of swinging the axe on quite a few series to save money. Expensive mm. ones, particularly mm, yeah. in such a science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything and vaguely lost, interesting. Yeah, they've lost a lot of cast as well this season. I do like what it actually says from the rep, quoting the rep. Yeah. It hasn't been axed, it just hasn't been recommissioned yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't that what Michael Grade mm. said in 1989? Yeah. Yes. Mm. So, <clears> 20 <throat> years' time, we should see the next season of Primeval. <laughs> <laughs> Any other news? Uh, well, we have one for Dollhouse. Now, apparently, despite the axe wavering over it, it has been commissioned for a second season. I'd yes. say woohoo, but I haven't seen any of the first yeah, season. It, it, no. I think it's about to be shown on the Sci-Fi Channel UK. Ziffy. No, no, Sci-Fi Channel UK, so I can still say it. Oh, all right, then. This is the UK I branch. believe you missed it. It was on on the weekend, I think. The weekend? Oh, well, I'll... I'll Repeat it tomorrow. Uh, I'll catch it tomorrow, then. So, so It's a second season of, again, 13 episodes. Yes. So it hasn't got a full... Nope. Full release, it's just got uh, uh, 13 episodes. Apparently the episodes have been uh, cut from 50 minutes, which is a special experiment. They had less mm. adverts ah. back to the regular 42 minutes for right. this next season. Right. But we'll see, yeah. Also, I want to add to that, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, I has been this. terminated. Yes, oh. it's no longer with us. It hmm. won't be back. No, but that's not surprising anybody. Well, I'm, I'm just mm. wondering, because they've got the film coming out imminently. Oh. Arnie's going to be in the film, apparently. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, we saw that. His head's being CGI'd over yep. the body, and he's seen it and says it looks absolutely wonderful, and you can go ahead. I, mean, so I, I feel sorry for the actor whose head it's being CGI'd on, you know. <laughs> but I was in the Terminator film. No, you weren't. <laughs> but as I was saying, this, this new film is coming out. I'm just wondering, would that... I doubt it. ...bump it anyway? But, oh, well. Star Trek news. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek exceeded expectations. It's Ooh. raked in £79.2 million. Pounds. Right. Key. The mm. first weekend alone, I believe. Yeah. I think about well. 20 of those were ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that includes $4 million from um, preview screenings. Well, Paramount, they originally sort of um, estimated the, the uh, film would make about $50 million, but, I mean, strong reviews helped carry, carry it to the bigger opening. It's a fan-made film out called Hunt for Gollum. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, it hit the web on Sunday, and within 24 hours, 250,000 people had viewed it. It was so successful that um, it crashed the server (laughs) for hours. That's a good sign. It is, yes. Director and executive producer Chris Bouchard said... The web server got completely overwhelmed by all the traffic. We got it back online quite late that night. I think everybody saw the release and went on at the same time. It was the number of requests it couldn't handle. It's quite cool. We had no idea how many people would watch it. John Major should never, ever say the word cool. You no, need no, to no. keep putting those traps mm, down. Yeah. Well, I guess around them somehow. The film's going to stay online indefinitely, and if you want to go and help crash the server again, you've got to log on to www.thehuntforgollum.com. We have a bit of news from Star Wars. <laughs> or, strictly speaking, Star Tours. 
in Disneyland, Disney World and Disney whatever Europe, um, <laughs> there's a ride called Star Tours, which is pretty ancient now. Mm-hmm. And they're redoing it with all new footage, Ooh. filmed especially. And apparently it's going to include such creatures as Boba Fett, Admiral Akbar, a Tuscan Raider, Ooh. and even some Jowers. Ooh. You want wow. to go back, don't you? I have been on this ride, <laughs> yep. and it was pretty rubbish. Unfortunately, he's going to bring in some uh, prequel stuff. Naboo and Genosians, but C-3PO and R2-D2 will still host it and uh, look for that later in the year. Well, I say, if it's Lucas, surely he would be taking the old footage back into the computer uh, and adding the new characters mm, on top. Yeah. <laughs> I think, fortunately, not in this case. <laughs> Some sad news. Oh. Um, Dom DeLuise oh, yeah. has died. Oh, yes. One of the funniest mans who ever lived. Captain Chaos. Captain Chaos from the Cannonball Run uh-huh. and Ergo from Stargate SG-1. Did he die in a funny way, though? <laughs> oh, You're going to hell. <laughs> You're going to burn. I have, I have a small addendum as well. Do you? A small addendum. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've heard that, Kevin. I don't remember you telling me. Oh, oh, the latest Judge Dredd magazine, which I Ooh. think is up to something like 230. 58, I think. It's an ongoing thing that I like to keep my eyes open. As in Doctor Who turning up in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. We have, I think it's one of the comic strips in that Harry Palmer is being given certain information by his boss, who's been illustrated as William Hartnell, complete with Billy Fluffs. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's the end of the news, but we now have to hear from El Presidente. Your attention, He's back please. in the house. Way! Face the TV screens. <gasps> El Presidente! Hooray! He's got my vote. Hello, citizens. It has been brought to the attention of my benevolent administration that the Parliament of the so-called United Kingdom is sinking in sleaze. <laughs> this is entirely to my plan. Little do they know, this has been engineered to divert attention from swine flu. My new minions, the pigs, are performing their duty to perfection. Soon, 90% of the world's population will have been infected. 25% will turn into half-human, half-pig people. They will eat the world into financial ruin, snuffle the truffles, play in their own muck, but I'm drifting. When the world powers collapse, I will seize control of the world. Here endeth my address. I mean, oh, he's brilliant. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Brilliant. I, yeah, the best person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kneel before him. No, no, I shall grovel. <laughs> I shall grovel. From one deranged lunatic to another deranged lunatic in a long scarf, it's time for Doctor Who. Ooh. We've been watching DVDs again. We have. Well, yeah. one DVD. Yeah. We shared it. We did. We went out and bought Image of the Fendal. Yay! <laughs> we will have no cheering for Image of the Fendal from the cheap seats. It's um, one of the latest from the BBC. Latest? And, is it? I thought... It um, was, uh, what, uh, 1977? Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> He's not playing anymore. <laughs> so, El Presidente, as you're such a smart aleck, tell us what you thought of Image of the Fendal. There were some great ideas there, but... Overall, a rather dull, I'm afraid. I agree. Mm, yes. I think we have some 
Dis- 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 coming. I was about to say dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> dis- well, it has that effect. <laughs> dysentery in the ranks. Descent in the ranks. We have some descent in the ranks by the looks of that. See, the only reason we've much. dragged Jean off the streets is because she actually liked Image of the Fendal. We've told her she's wrong. <laughs> but it's gothic and it's weird, and I like gothic and weird. She does. She does. Mm. Mm. Stones of Blood, Image of the Fender. <laughs> Talons of Wang Chang. Talons of Wang Chang. Battlefield. <laughs> the Demons. Mm. Like I said, it had some very good ideas. The, yeah. the um, Cthulhu-like mythos of the human race being affected, manipulated, yep. or generated by humans. But it took... And to my mind, it did take an awful long time for the actual action to, to get started. Start. Yeah. It's a shame because I really like Chris Boucher as a writer. Yeah. And the writing, the ideas are good. Some of the writing was good, particularly the uh, dialogue for the Adam Colby character, the kind of innocent scientist chap who survives. Co- the cocky little git. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has good lines, but he didn't yeah. really have the opportunity to bounce off anybody. No. My sentiments about, well, about uh, Image of the Fendal was um, it promised a lot, but the execution just fell flat on its face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, not a lot happened. Maybe we should <clears> quickly <throat> go over the plot, very quickly. <laughs> go on, then. What I understand, I'm not sure I fully understand it all, but uh, <laughs> there's this scientist guy who's specialist in creating electronics... And he was doing missile guidance system, detected some kind of weird background radiation energy. signal, energy, yeah. whatever, which led him to dig up a skull. And somehow through his devices, he can see the past. And so he's looking for the history of mankind. And then, inexplicably, some coven-type guy who was worshipping this weird energy got onto his team, and then hijinks ensued when they got the <laughs> skull and, uh, <laughs> and applied energy to it. And then lots of running around corridors being chased by... Mm, giant slugs. Mm. Yeah. Papier mache. Giant, giant leeches. That's about the best. You know, it sounds good on paper, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. Not the way you've just described it. <laughs> no, maybe not. There's some interestingly um, stereotypical background characters like Granny Tyler. Yeah, Martha Tyler, no doubt. Yeah. Who was your typical soothsayer, makes corn dollies out of rock salt to keep in your pocket to ward off evil spirits. Mm. Mama set. <laughs> oh, yeah, she had a fantastically broad Mama set accent. <laughs> You've also have her in all of them. She's in Stones of Blood. She yep. is, yeah. yeah. She's in Pyramids of Mars. And she goes around beating up Sergeant Benton, was it, in uh, Demons? She's also yeah. in Battlefield. With a which the outcome is mm. always foreseen. <laughs> She's also in Battlefield, the landlady, the blind one. Yeah. Yeah. Obligatory. Obligatory. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. Interesting that there are echoes of that in the new series with uh, Gwen from... Um, the Unquiet Dead. Unquiet Dead, yes. Yeah. She's psychic because oh. she's been around a time fissure. Yeah. Ah. Same this, as this Martha Tyler. I was, thinking, because she's, I was thinking of yeah. the old biddy on the bus in... Um, well, what's it called? Oh, what, in the... Planet of the Dead. Planet, Planet of the Dead. Dead, yeah. Yeah, well, so you got her there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are, I think there are bits... There are standout bits in it. There are bits I like. Personally, I liked... The uh, the slug. You did. You did. <laughs> it was. It, uh, it was. Oh, it, I like the idea of the slug. I they're trying to get away from the human 
enemy, the human yeah, bad guy. True. It was poorly executed. I'm not denying that, but it, I, yeah. the idea behind it, it was looked good. like he had party streamers coming. <laughs> it his did. Mouth. It, it was looked, one step down from the man in the sleeping bag. Mm. It looked <laughs> better when it was miniature. Yeah, yeah the, very the, little, yeah. the baby true. one. It yeah, looked right. better that when they'd had the full size one, it fell apart. Well, but, yeah, they, they made <laughs> the usual mistake of when your special effects aren't quite up to it. You really shouldn't show people yeah. the <laughs> image for too long. The camera yeah. lingered on it. Yeah. Also, I liked very much Tom's doctor in this. He yeah. takes his time. Get, he isn't in it until the second episode properly. Mm. He isn't, doesn't involve himself in the story until the second episode. But when he's paralysed, trying to get himself to move, he Talking talks to, to his, his legs. legs. Come on, legs, yeah. move, you legs. Can do it. <laughs> right, that's it, legs, come on. And also um, uh, instructing the Adam Colby character when to set off the, uh, the time scanner. He bursts through the door and shouts out, remember, three minutes, holding up four fingers. Yes, he did. <laughs> there was some th- one thing he did, though, that um, remember we were talking about Attack of the Cybermen and how it was wrong for the Doctor to hold a gun, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. I don't like the way he gave Max a gun so that he could commit suicide. Yeah. I think he mm. should have tried harder to get him out of it. Possibly, but I think, again, this is coming over from what I remember and also reading the Terence, uh, the Terence Dix book, because it was a damn good Terence Dix book, mm. is the fact that he'd already looked into the Fendal's eyes and was irrevocably churning into a Fendaline. Right. Didn't that didn't come across no, didn't. well on the program? Yeah, I just yeah, saw I mean, it I think, as a, a very convenient way to write someone yeah, out. I think I think it's the only thing that is touched on in the program is his instructions not to look her in the eyes. Yeah, perhaps they should have um, put some of that blurry special which, effect on mm, him yeah. to which show is he's an, changing. Which is another t- staple satanic thing, isn't it? Yeah, don't look into the eyes. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, uh, what is it? The devil rides out. And, Blink. Yeah, mind you, even Tom Baker was surprised in the commentary yes. that he gave the gun to yes. that character. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I wonder though if some of it is where we we watch these again and we love them, but we've got very used to the fast pace. Oh yeah, I think oh, definitely. I th- we now look at these and think. Actually, that could be a really fast-paced, more than 50 minutes, and don't give it the time that we used to give and them when they were once very likely. And another thing you have to take into account is these are only shown in 25-minute blocks a week, a week apart. They're not designed to be shown altogether. True, but compare it to other ones, such as Chris Boucher's uh, yeah. What's a Death. Yeah. yeah. Another four-parter, but that really races along. That's I, a really I'm, good story. But I'm you're, the you're... one out. I fall asleep in robots. <laughs> <laughs> or we're going to have some good discussion in the future. Mm. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I, as I say, I like this, but it was flawed. It was quite badly flawed in a few places. Uh, one thing I couldn't quite get to grips with was, was the, um, oh, with the, uh, the fen- Fendaline in the yeah. uh, cellar. I couldn't quite understand why she was doing all that posturing and prancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she did look like she was about to pirouette. She mm, looked like a yeah. doll on a music box. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's a case of your, the actress was told, look threatening, you're about, destro- about to destroy the world. She, if you, she hasn't got any lines at that point. I took it as being kind of ceremonial. Yeah, yeah so mm. did I. I was going to say, it's obligatory yeah, gothic. It, it, <laughs> the... the, the her acting, again, I'm not sure if this is deliberate or not, because remember, she's got had to have her eyes closed throughout this whole bit, because they painted eyes mm, on her eyes. Yeah. Which yeah. I found she very effective. She couldn't effective. see what she was doing. She couldn't yeah. see what she was doing. But, you know, she has to... Um, it, it struck me as very arched. 
Well, I thought mm. I thought the whole the eye effect. I thought it was really good. Oh, yeah, mm. very yeah. good, very yeah. effective. But then it's eyes. I got this thing about eyes. Yeah. <laughs> they're too big and they look dead. Yeah, mm. shark eyes. Yeah. So if her eyes were shut and she was walking around a dark cellar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you hear all this bumping and swearing. And <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder why she didn't do anything when the doctor was running around mm. her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She didn't seem to have any threat to her. There was no, no bite to her. All you need to do is just not look in her eyes, and she's got no power. So. What can she do? And yeah. they'd already killed the papier-mâché worm, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, in the plot, they actually said that she's a, a gestalt entity. So she couldn't actually do anything to her to, until her various bits of her were grown to full maturity and then she would join as one monster. Yeah. So we weren't mm. actually seeing the proper Fendal as it would have been. Mm. We, True. we were seeing an, an embryo state until all the bits of her were grown to maturity. So all those yeah. little worshippers, all those little worshippers, dead were being, Max would have been were being turned into worms, and then they would have all joined in as a mass yeah. mass creature. Ah. I like mm. the idea that the development of the human race was affected by aliens. Well, again, that is an age-old... Uh, it's, uh, what is it, Cthulhu Mythos... Um, City of the Dead. City of yeah. the mm. Dead. Uh, quite a mass. But even even in Doctor Who alone, uh, we've been influenced by so many different aliens. Yeah. I do wonder <laughs> what we were meant to look like. What was I going to mention next, Von Daniken? Well, going with that, you get uh, the Doctor actually gives you three explanations. One, that the Fendal has actually created the human race. Mm. Mm-hmm. Two, that the Fendal has only affected a few members of the human race and given instructions in the genetic uh, coding yeah. so to bring about its creation. Or three, it could just be coincidence. I didn't think Leela had enough to do again. No. I've always felt she's been very underused. It's just a couple of episodes where she got to yeah. strutter stuff, as it were. <laughs> but this really wasn't one of them. No, if it's not, not really. an action adventure story, the character tends not to because Leela's character is not intellectual, so, no, so no, it's no, more very, visual than physical. Mm, oh, there was just reminding me one part. I'm not sure. I think it was rehearsed, though it looks accidental when. Leela shoots one of the worms and the doctor runs around the corner and they're all splayed out on the floor. You've got yep. Leela and the... Um, Jack. Jack. The doctor, uh, Tom Baker, leans down and cradles Leela's head. and says, yep. what happened? Are you all right? Is everything okay? And so I pointed and shot. Oh, you killed a Fenderling. That's wonderful. And just gets up and walks and, and drops, drops her it. head. <laughs> the look the actress gives him at that point in time. We'll have to give a shout out to Charlie from EastEnders. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes the security, the security guard. guard. The security guard who yes. cops it quite early on. Oh. Charlie that was Slater. Charlie. Mm. Really? Apparently yeah. he goes on to be a taxi driver. He does, yeah. Yes. Oh, speaking of EastEnders. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, did EastEnders podcast. Uh, right. Staggering stories. Sorry. You go off and do your own podcast together. Okay. <laughs> Talking of bad things. <gasps> Charlie's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> that first episode cliffhanger. Remind oh, me. bad is oh. it? Where they had Leela... Apparently about to be shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mentioned cheating. you mentioned this at the time. Yeah. And the doctor stuck there talking about his legs. Mm. Yeah. That was game later. Yeah, that came on the yeah. reprise. So no build up, suddenly he was stuck in this forest, unable to move. Then the resolution of both of those is absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> she hadn't actually looked in the door and stood there like an idiot. She'd she'd backed away, but mm. we didn't no. see that. It no. was a flash flash Gordon moment. It, yeah. was. it, was, it was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> they did that a lot back then. Yeah. No, not that blatant. Not that bad. Didn't well, have... I don't know, people drowning who aren't really drowned mm. for three minutes when Mary Whitehouse gets the up. 
<laughs> well, you could have wind her up occasionally. <laughs> now she's dead. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Clockwork. Yeah. All right, then. So if you had to sum up your feelings for the image of the Fendal in one sentence, real Keith? Good, but flawed. Crumbly? Mm, could have been better. Slightly dull. Some good ideas, but a little bit boring. My rose-coloured specs are still perfectly rose-coloured. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> have you seen it in uh, 30 <clears throat> years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so Image of the Fendal, out on BBC DVD. Pick from... it up, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> if nothing and else, it's good for the something. extras. We interrupt this broadcast for a shameless plug. On September the 6th, El Presidente and I will be on the podcast panel at the Hooverville Convention in Derby. If you'd like to go along and generally mock and laugh and ridicule us, see the link on the Staggering Stories webcast for how to buy your tickets. Hey, why not pop over to Who on Who and nominate a character for Avatar Idol? For more information, hit us up on www.whoonwho.com. That's www.hoonwho.com. Who on Who, the podcast devoted to the review of classic series Doctor Who DVDs in no particular order. And now, back to the broadcast. And now, for something completely different. As suggested by one of our listeners, Joshua, the BBC has DIY SOS changing rooms staggering stories has and now it's time for choose your own staggering stories once upon a time there lived a girl named rose now most of the time rose was a happy soul who enjoyed chips and nights out and all things pink but sometimes (laughs) rose was not so happy Sometimes she was downright miserable and would look around for something to thump. This was usually the fault of a time lord called the Doctor. Take today, for instance. Rose had woken bright and early, all ready for a trip to 1969 to see Joan Baez at Woodstock. She had donned her best hippie clothes and learned all the words to Diamonds and Rust, even though the Doctor insisted it wouldn't be written till 1975. So what? said Rose. Perhaps you'll hear me sing it and decide she likes it. Rose, said the Doctor a little bit sternly. You wouldn't be planning on messing around with the delicate flower of your planet's history, would you? Because if you are, he added, I will take you to Salem during the witch trials and abandon you in the middle of the town square with a pointy hat in your head and Jane's big book of spells tucked under your arm. You wouldn't, said Rose. I would, said the doctor. Sport, sport, said Rose and pouted at him. As it turned out, the delicate flower of Earth's history was never in danger because the TARDIS, whilst undoubtedly a superb machine, is prone to forgetting who wears the trousers and decided it didn't want to go to Woodstock. It had been twice before, and there were only so many times an advanced Type 40 could be expected to endure the Grateful Dead without trying to withdraw into its own zero room for a bit of peace. And as we all know, the TARDIS no longer had a zero room, so it locked onto the first interesting ripple in the time stream and landed there instead, as the Doctor and Rose discovered when they opened the doors. This doesn't look like Woodstock, said Rose. It's not, said the Doctor. It doesn't look like America, either, said Rose. It's not, sighed the Doctor. In fact, it looks like a spaceship, 
giggled Rose. What with those control panels and the big airlock sign on the wall? Salem, said the Doctor. Rose frowned and shut up. The Doctor glared at the TARDIS and pulled the door closed with a click. You and I will have words later, he muttered. The TARDIS hummed gently and introduced itself to a nearby computer. Rose, meanwhile, had wandered off for a quick explore, her hippie boots clanging noisily on the metal deck. As spaceships go, she thought, this one has seen better days. The deck was scuffed with the wear of thousands of footfalls, the walls were streaked with grease, and the computer banks were scarred with patchwork repair jobs that seemed to largely involve masking tape. She reached out and pressed a pretty mauve button. Rose, said the doctor loudly. What is rule number one? Don't touch anything. Especially? Pretty mauve buttons. Because? Because mauve is the colour of danger and any minute now we could find ourselves surrounded by heavily armed men demanding to know why we pushed the button. And? And what are we doing here? The door opened and an angry sounding voice said... Hold it right there. The doctor sighed and glared at Rose. Exactly. He said. They raised their hands and slowly turned round. A very short man with a very large gun was glaring at them. Who the hell are you? He said. Right, now we're asking you, should the doctor and Rose... A. Introduce themselves. B. Make a run for it. C. Nobble the guard. Go back to the TARDIS and take a quick trip to Salem. So it's up to you now. What should we do next? Send your suggestions to show at staggeringstories.net. Um, whose idea was this again? That was Joshua's. <laughs> oh, presidente. I'd like to take out a contract. Okay, from something a little bit odd. Only a little bit. slightly more than a little. Just a little bit odd to something brilliant. Okay. I think I've kind of given away what I thought of Star Trek. Go on then, you. Me? Oh, okay. Um, it was good. <laughs> That's yep. real Keith's summing up of the new Star Trek film. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> right, we all went to see Star Trek. We went to see it more than once. Ooh, Some twice. of us yep. have, yes. Went to see it more than twice. Yes. Actually, we're aiming at a fourth time, probably Ooh, tomorrow. <laughs> you, <yeah. laughs> this is how sad we are. Still doesn't beat my Star Wars 23 times in one summer. Oh, wow. What a geek! <laughs> <laughs> That's only because you worked at the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> El Presidente, tell us about Star Trek. Oh, really good. Um, God, we've got to get past really good. <laughs> really, really good. Very, very good. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. Maybe it was really, really bad. No, it wasn't. Stick your fingers in your ears and go la la la. <laughs> I wouldn't really worry about spoilers, particularly. To be honest, the plot is not particularly vast. It wouldn't really matter if you knew going in. Very easy to follow. It's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Completely. Uh, it's basically a reboot of the original Star Trek, but it does yet carry on from next gen. And I think technically it's set 30 years after Nemesis, the last Trek is it next that gen far film. Ahead? 
I okay. think so. From from certain characters' point of view. Yeah. Mm. Yes. But from the other characters' point of view, it's set before Kirk joins the academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Set before he, he's before born. He's born. born. Yeah. 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 Well, the initial premise of the film is um, how all the characters met. It could very easily have plummeted into um, police academy and space. Yeah. But it didn't. Mm, I was certainly mm. very worried that it was going to just be a Starfleet Academy film. Yeah. At first, but it, it wasn't. It kind of three years later, mm. yeah, which was it. a relief. <laughs> they just do, popped they, over. Well, it, yeah. they do fast forward that section. Yeah. Young Kirk was played by Christopher Pine. Yep. Yeah, Chris Pine. Mm. Yeah, and I think he did an absolutely outstanding job. I think he had William Shatner's young William Shatner's yes. mannerisms <laughs> to a T. I even thought he looked quite a lot like he him. did. Mm, he like does. It around the eyes. Yeah. Well, and this... certain things they kept in, like Kirk's a womanizer. Mm. Every time a pretty woman passed Green's, Young Kirk. Yeah. yeah, he would turn round and... Hello, ladies. Greet them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was set, um, was it, ten years before the original five-year mission, so... Okay. So he hasn't had to buy his own corset yet. Not no, yet, no, not no, yet. No, no. he's still Ooh, no, young he and certainly spelt. doesn't need a corset. <laughs> he had some interesting character developments that you never really got the chance to see in the series. Mm. The relationship between Spock and Uhura. Yes. Which it was yeah, always hinted very, that very they were, they were very, yeah. very good it, friends, it, but this it, took it one step yeah, further. In, in the TV series, it touched upon it and you saw they weren't just uh, inferior and superior. They were friends off duty yeah. in the TV series. Mm. This takes it in the next logical step. Because of the change to history, Yes, Spock is a bit different. He's still Spock, and he's much more reminiscent of Spock from the cage. Yes. He's yeah. more, a bit more emotional. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That is one thing I do like about it. They adhere to continuity, but they also take continuity and throw it out the window. Well, they just set off in a completely different yeah, direction. Yeah. Mind you, I mean, I must say, one character who I thought almost upstaged Kirk and Spock was the guy who played Bones. Oh, yeah, God, you Carl mean, Urban. Mm, yep. He had his mannerisms down to a T. He, he really yeah, did. He was channeling mm. DeForest Kelly. Oh, good grief, and then some, yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely excellent. The only one I felt didn't really fit was Simon Pegg as Scotty. Yeah. I think it was a brave attempt, but I just couldn't see yeah, I, Scotty. That, yeah, I don't think he went for an impersonation. He went for his own interpretation but tried to keep some of uh, Scotty's mannerisms. Yeah, but I didn't see it. I, I don't think he, he failed in the attempt. It just, certain times, the accent slipped. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think he didn't really sort of fall into character until the very last few scenes where mm. um, the Enterprise is about... When the Enterprise was about to, you know, about to go to warp, so... Yeah. And he's also a more overtly comic character. Yes. Mm, Scotty wasn't really. He had, no. he had his kind of catchphrase, mm. he had his moments, but yeah. he wasn't out and out a comic that's, that's the That's the thing. He's... I don't mean to knock him but he is playing Simon Pegg playing to Scotty degree it's been written for Simon Pegg yeah, he's trying yeah. not to be Simon Pegg I yeah, think. he's trying not to but yeah the only other quibble I had was Chekhov's age you had Kirk McCoy and Uhura had been assigned to the Enterprise as cadets because Mm. of various emergencies, whereas Chekhov was already on the Enterprise as an ensign, and he was 17. Well, the thing is, you certainly get the impression with McCoy, he's had a career outside Starfleet. Oh, yeah, very much. And because what has happened in his private life... He's effectively running away mm, from a divorce. He's joined Starfleet. Kirk, again, has joined it late because he's been a slacker. A genius, but a slacker nonetheless. The most brilliant serial offender in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the the basic idea is Chekhov has joined Starfleet direct from school. Mm. Well, the yeah. impression I got was um, Chekhov was more like a Weasley crusher. Yeah. He is a prodigy. I mean, a prodigy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That, is, that is another thing that has been pointed out and very strong with the film, is uh, most films these days are 
every man can be the hero. Mm. You know, Joe blogs off the street, situation comes down to it, he can go above and beyond. Everyone in Starfleet are elite, the best of the best. Yeah. They are all, at some degree or some level, geniuses. They're at least yeah. the elite core. Except the red shirts. Except for the red shirts, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you love the way they had to, at one point they had to do a skydive down onto this platform. Oh, good grief, yeah. And there was Kirk and Sulu, because Sulu had um, advanced combat training mm. in, of course, fencing. fencing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a red shirt. <laughs> and um, as soon as you saw him sitting so, there in his little red space suit, you thought, yeah, you're yeah, dead. Yeah, guess who dies? <laughs> I mean, no, Engineer Olsen. Yeah. I mean, he sounded very sort of cool, blimey gov. He was, yeah. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't open his parachute to the last minute. minute. No. Yeah. What a tit. <laughs> <laughs> there were lots of callbacks to original Trek. Oh, yeah. We had the Orion. The Orion slave girl. girl. The Orion, yeah. the green Orion. Who, mm-hmm. uh, she yeah. was being bonked by Kirk. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, he was still wearing his boxer shorts. Right. He hadn't quite reached bonking stage yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> tribble, in it? There, there was a tribble. You can hear the tribble. We're in Scotty's first scene. I'm definitely going to have to go back You hear the tribble and it's sitting in a cage on the desk. On his desk, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the ejecting of the warp core. Yeah, it's always done. You you have all the catchphrases. Hailing frequencies open. Yeah, I'm a doctor. A lot of the special effects. Sound effects. All the sound effects are there. Some of the engines couldn't he take it. The engines (laughs) were brilliant. (laughs) You you, um, think of Star Trek, the original series, and it's a vaguely blank room with a chicken wire mesh Mm, with something that might be an engine. This was vast. It was huge. It was filmed at the Budweiser factory, so there were actually mm. vats full of Budweiser. If if you're looking at the engine room, think the engine room with the Titanic. Yeah. and that will sum it up perfectly you've got pipes and water pipes, and vats steam, and steam. Vats, so this yeah. is Mr Babbage and then for the new series mm-hmm. for the original series they managed to confess it down to a laptop they <laughs> yeah. did yeah. yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> also I had the, the last shot of Pike yes mm. in a wheelchair, Aww, wheelchair. poignant which is, which is again to the TV <laughs> which they did wrong I know for politically correct reasons and for the fact it would have made everyone laugh they had to change it but the term that should have been used is I relieve you sir I stand relieved. Of course, he wasn't standing, he was sitting down, so yeah. they changed it. Yeah. <laughs> Ebby laughed still when they saw him yeah. in the chair. Yeah. You could tell, sitting in the cinema, you could tell when people were getting the in-jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were a couple <laughs> of people behind us who were giggling at all the right moments. It got very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and there were people in the audience that weren't even conceived, and possibly their parents weren't even conceived. <laughs> possibly, the yeah. original scenes in town. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say about, I was very impressed by, was the, uh, the bridge of the end. Enterprise. Oh. It wasn't actually a Starfleet view screen. It was actually mm. windows. Yeah, it was with a, you know, like um, a heads-up display. So oh, it was a portal. Over it. Not Microsoft mm. Windows. No, 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 no. <laughs> a portal. <laughs> Blue screen of death. Reboot. <laughs> 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 Go to warp and a little hourglass yeah. appears up in the corner. That reminds <laughs> control alt delete. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me actually. Sulu's first attempt to take oh, the oh, Enterprise mm-hmm. out of space dock. Sulu forgot basically forgot to take the handbrake off. Mm. Yeah. So what do we think of the um? the characterisations the the actors taking on the mighty roles Zach, uh, Zachary Quinto had uh, Spock down to a T yes. he really did mm. he looked freakily mm. like one a, oh, a young grief, yeah. boy oh it's just some of the casual throw throwaway yeah. lines as well yeah. where um, Kirk is sitting in the captain's chair <laughs> And um, Spock is just walking past his mind on something completely different. He just says, out of the chair. Yeah. <laughs> he even sits like Kirk, though, yeah. doesn't oh, he? Yeah. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. He must yeah. have sat and Definitely. watched every episode because he's got it perfect. Yeah. I found it particularly annoying that apart from detecting one random radio signal, Uhura again had nothing to do. I mean, I can understand it with in the films with this 
middle-aged actress who really can't be allowed to throw herself off things. But this was a very fit young actress who, you know, they could have given her some action. Mm. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Not that kind of action. Never spoke. Such a sexist. God. <laughs> Yeah, but there again, I mean, in this politically correct day and age, I mean, the thing was, she was still wearing the skirt up to her... Yeah, she was, yeah I, I noticed that, yeah. She's got some legs, so let's mm. give her the short skirt, yeah. yeah. It's only obvious the mix of the crew is very outdated now. You have basically yeah. one woman, and actually mm. the rest are all men. Well, that's it. Completely. I Which, mean, look, look at even Next Gen. What yeah. they got, well, even that was only two women, wasn't it? Uh, Tasha Yar. Oh, I forgot Tasha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Doctor. Uh, and the Counselor. Deanna Troy. Huh? Yeah. Although, I did enjoy the variety of aliens there were it was very much like the cantina scene in star they were star used wars very, they were used very sparingly sparingly but to very good effect yeah. there was no uh, bumpy forehead aliens. no no forehead no, aliens no. Yeah. i liked the nurse there was a nurse and right you, you looked Ooh. at her and you thought something weird about mm. her and she looked human except she had huge eyes they, they'd done yeah. something optical like a computer effect enhanced mm. eyes for about three mm. or four times yeah. the size they should be turned them a bit mm. yeah, yeah. The, the, the wrong angle and the uh, scene in the bar where um, Kirk and Uhura are talking to each other Over. the aliens all sitting there yeah. trying to have Grumpy, a quiet drink trying to have his pint. <laughs> extended face mm, that's that's a, a long yeah. face I would recommend it. I would recommend it. It's got great action. Yep. Although rather predictable action. Yeah. And how many times can Kirk hang off the side of a several by the sounds of it? But some great character moments, particularly between the the three principal cast. When Mm. when McCoy first turns up, you just hear the voice. Mm. Yeah. What is it? uh, We need to get you a doctor. I am a a doctor. doctor. Damn it! (laughs) You just think to yourself, yep. Although it was ironic that McCoy's first reaction to Spock was, "I like him." Yeah. Yeah. They inverted it all the, all the way through. It's inverted. Spock and yeah. Kirk hated each other. Yeah. So then towards the end, and they kind of... It begins to come as we understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Forgot to mention the Romulans, the baddies. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Yep. Captain Nero. Captain Nero. I thought he was rather good. Oh, uh, Eric Banner. So, like yes. going slightly madder well, as he, things went on. He wasn't mad. I mean, he was driven mad by grief. Yeah, that's it. He, and he was doing the, the right things, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah he wasn't yeah. just being... He had good motivation behind mm, him. He yeah. just oh, wasn't yeah, being he's... evil for the sake... There was a backstory there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoiler music, his planet had been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And his uh, wife and unborn child. Yeah. 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 And a bit hackneyed, but... Wandering <laughs> around for, what was it, 25 years mm-hmm. chasing one man. Yeah, waiting for him to turn up. And get wise bitten up. Yeah, yeah. And he was a mind wasn't he? He wasn't, yeah, he yeah. wasn't even a, a Romulan soldier. Oh, yeah. He was Great, just right. someone working on the Romulan equivalent of Red Dwarf, but with slightly less laughs. <laughs> Pretty beefy weapons. Mm, mm, yeah, for brave, a mining yeah. ship. Go on. Well, a mining looked, ship from 100 and whatever, 30 years 90, in the future. Yeah. 190 years or whatever. Mm. It looked like a cross between um, a jellyfish and a spider. Yeah. Well, as El Presidente so very correctly pointed out, it looked very much like a Volon ship. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Everything's yeah. all pointing forwards. Spiky. Yeah. Mm. Be prepared to well up a bit and feel all teary before they've even put the word Star Trek up on the screen. Oh. <laughs> it's, oh, and yes. the first, what, 15 minutes? The teaser. Is the teaser. And it's very, very sad. <laughs> I, was all re- I was all ready to feel sad at the end mm. of films, as I usually do. But no, this caught me by surprise. <laughs> well, overall... Overall, I thought it was absolutely fantastic mm. and it was clo- as close to flawless as you can get in a Star Trek film. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek film, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Personally, mm. sort of six out of five, I think. It's a good six de- out of five? Yeah, six <laughs> out of five. Thumbs up. <laughs> I'd say, no, big thumbs up. Go and yep. see it. You're in for a treat. Yeah. And if you heard the last podcast, you'll know I'm not at all a fan of the original Trek. No. No. But I really, really enjoyed this. So, really so uh, for the Christmas podcast, you predicted this would be a flopper. 
Did you I really? Yes. 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 For was... two years, you predicted it would flop. <laughs> would you like some sauce to eat with those words? <laughs> <laughs> it is excellent film. It really is. Yeah, nice. and we're going to see it again. So mm. you know, we're sad. <laughs> You've been writing to us again. Yeah, you lovely people. You really are nice to us. Thank you. Now, we've got quite a lot this yes. time, yeah, so I'm very, afraid we're not going to be able to read them all, but we'll give you the edited highlights. That's your fault, that is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please don't discourage our listeners. Sorry. No, no. Sorry. Ignore real Keith, he's an idiot. <laughs> right, we've heard from Richard. Hello, Hello Richard. Richard. Hello, Richard. I think Richard's a new person. I think he is. Yeah. He says, dear team and head of Pertwee. Uh, it's starting again. It is. Oh, no. Long-time listener, first-time writer, and I've got to say, absolutely love the podcast. Thank you. You can write again, Richard. (laughs) I discovered it last September, subscribed soon after, and have been catching up the back issues ever since. (laughs) It's seen me through the last nine months of my master's degree and will give me something to look forward to every couple of weeks since I'm about to be flung out on my own to work on my dissertation for the next four months. Richard sounds far too clever for us. He's a blamey person. Another one. Yeah. Thought I'd let you know my views on a couple of things. I enjoyed Planet of the Dead up to a point <laughs> and I feel much the same about it as I did The Next Doctor. Yeah. I spent months anticipating the episode, scouring the net for any pictures and information I could find, <laughs> although tried and failed to remain remain hugely spoiler-free. Huh? Both episodes had great setups, and both were entertaining, but I was disappointed with the endings for both. Mm. They both went for spectacle, and as soon as I saw the red bus start to fly on Easter Sunday, I was reminded of the horrible feeling I had whilst watching the next Doctor at 1am on Boxing Day, flipping family all came round for tea when it was actually on, and the giant Cyberman came up out of the river. I think it was just disappointment that the writers felt they had to have something huge and expensive looking happen near the end to make the audience go, wow. Okay, I admit it's probably just me and that the child audience probably thrive on that kind of thing, but it's been twice in two specials and I'm hoping they don't do it again in the otherwise ace-looking waters of Mars. It's not just you, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Re-Red Dwarf Back to Earth. First episode was okay, second was pants, third almost (laughs) redeemed it all, but not enough for me. Watched Gunman of the Apocalypse the next day and was reminded why Red Dwarf used to be a highlight of the viewing schedule. That's enough from me. Here's to many more podcasts, and if anyone sees a shaggy-haired bloke in Doctoresque Converse trainers walking around Chichester laughing out loud, it's normally fake Heath's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Richard. Thank you, you, Richard. Oh, we have another another one from Wynne here. Hello, Wynne. Hello, Wynne. Dear team... You've all done very well. Oh, thank you. Mm. Points deducted once again from fake Keith, who tried to prevent (laughs) El Presidente and a certain Lord McFadden from teaching me how to decipher the subliminal messages. (laughs) You've dropped so far down the stalking register that you are now behind Beryl Reed, and she's been dead for a few years. To quote Toby Hadoke, Star Trek? I'm not a nerd. (laughs) Never got into it, to be honest takes itself far too seriously in all its forms. Mm. After avoiding Primeval for the first few years, <laughs> I've actually started watching it based on your recommendation. Sorry. And it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Better than what I remember from the one or two episodes I watched in Season 1. Also, Ashes to Ashes has made a big improvement from Series 1. Big welcome to Owain, a.k.a. Head of Pertwee on the Forum, a.k.a. Clive on the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, he's changed his location to number two on Fake Keith's stalker list. I'm Good quite boy. worried of the list. Yeah. <laughs> I've put his details on my stalking donor card, <laughs> so that in, in the event of my death, 
Someone else may annoy fake Keith. That's what real Keith's for. <laughs> we'll try to compile my escape pod list by next time. Bot be with you. Keep up the bearable work. Win. Thank, Thank you. you, Win. And now, for all you lucky people out there, subliminal messages! <laughs> Thank you. I have got a letter from Stephen here. Hello, Hello. Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Uh, I have to apologise to Stephen because it is a really long, 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 <laughs> long, long, <laughs> long letter. Really so, good. Uh, Interesting, I'm, but yeah, we love it. Loved reading it, but I'm gonna. We have a question of time, so I'm gonna have to paraphrase. He starts off by saying, "Hello, staggering stories team. I'm seeing you again." Uh, he can picture us all in his head. El Presidente is a cyborg with big red eyes, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, the Keiths. You and me yeah. are a pair of friendly grizzly bears with spectacles reading the Sunday Times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, Crumbly is a sentient piece of pie. I think <laughs> Stephen's been on the funny stuff. <laughs> and Tony is a walrus. Why is he being nasty to Tony? <laughs> he says that he is like season three of Heroes. Hasn't liked uh, the previous seasons because they've gone off track, but according to Stephen, season three is coming together, despite what fake Keith says. <laughs> also, he's been to see the Star Trek movie and has a few things to say about that. Uh, by far for him, the highlight of the film was when old Spock turned round and was seen on the big screen for the first time in, oh, I don't know, 15 years? He's kind of given away what we weren't telling anyone. Yeah, but never mind. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Apparently he went to see it with his mum, who is, was muttering through way through most of the film, but um. actually wept tears of joy when she saw Spock again for the first time. <laughs> he didn't look that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that we've cut you short, but that's basically it. Okay. And finally, I am not going to mention how Stephen signs off his letter, merely to say that it is a personal faux pas that I have <laughs> mentioned in the past. <clears throat> Finger in Sarah okay. Jane. Okay, yep, yep, yep. And we have a letter from uh, another new listener called Adam. Hello, Hello Adam. Adam. <laughs> Silly name. <laughs> he says, Dear team and the head of Pertwee, thanks for the great podcasts. I just about managed to keep from laughing out loud on the train when I'm listening to them. Being a bit slow with watching TV, I've just finished watching the second series of Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, and I would like to say how great it's been and how much I've enjoyed it. I know that this series hasn't been as tight as the first, with the extra number of episodes. Yeah. It's going to be a real shame if it doesn't get renewed in the autumn. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I did think it was just me until I read the uh, season finale review in the new issue of Death Ray. Other sci-fi magazines are available. There is also a great timeline of the Terminator universe in this issue. And my escape pod discs. Oh, yeah. Books. Oh, cool. Complete works of Ian M. Banks and Alistair Reynolds. Mm. DVDs. Uh, the Babylon 5 box set. Good choice, El Presidente. Oh, <laughs> and Heroes Season 1. Games. Never Winter Nights. Be seeing you, Adam. Yeah. Thank you, oh, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. you. Right, we've heard from Clive. Uh, hello, hello Clive. Clive. I think his mum calls him <laughs> O'Wine. Oh, uh, really? He says, I'm sorry to hear that the Bernard Cribbins couldn't turn up to Invasion. 
I had a similar experience when Russell T Davies didn't turn up at the Celtic Media Festival thing in Carnarvon, but we had Barnaby Edwards instead and he answered my questions. <laughs> I've also seen an episode of Firefly, the one with Anara's companion buddies, oh, yeah. and I thought it was great. By the time podcast 47 comes out, it'll be my birthday. Please say hello to me. Great podcast, the cloney birthday boy. A wine. <laughs> Thanks, a wine. Thank you. Thank you. Watch birthday others. Now, is it? Or? No, I think yeah. it's happy birthday next time. Yeah, next you sure? Mm, yeah. Watch oh, well, other fireflies. Definitely. Yeah, and watch Serenity. Oh, yes. God, yes. Oh, Serenity's good. I think that's the weakest one, actually, that particular episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Just in case, Clive, if you have had your 15th birthday, have a very happy birthday. Yes. Happy, yes. Birthday, yeah. to happy, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Please don't sing to Clive. Okay, I have one here from Scardis. Hi, Scardis. Hello, Scardis. Long time no here. He says, Dear team, plus Auton Shrine to the Doctor. Sorry, it's been a while since I've written to you, but for the past month, the bit I have been baffling my psychologist. Apparently he was having a weird dream where he was a monkey king on Mars who wonders as he looks at the stars. I think Scardis has fallen over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> but since the last correspondence, he's, there's been a new episode of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. He's a special, Plant of the Dead. And he, too, was a little underwhelmed, apparently. I know I shouldn't really be looking for a whole series worth of drama in, one, in a one-hour special, but I couldn't help it. Besides, Russell T. Davies has shown he is capable of full episodes worth of drama in one short time in the first Children Need special that was set post-regeneration. There's some big plot holes apparently he he detected but he did like Lee Evans and Michelle Ryan yeah mm-hmm who he said were fantastic, and he has been to a convention, a Vortex convention in Belfast, and had a great time. Guests included Chippo Chung, if I'm sure that right, who was a Chanto in Utopia, and a fortune teller in Turn Left, Paul Mark Davis, future kind leader, and trickster in Sarah Jane, and Gareth David Lloyd, apparently some minor character in Torture called Yanto. <laughs> Don't be horrible to Yanto. And he was about showing a bit of rock and roll lifestyle. He was doing a gig with James Masters the previous Friday. Ooh! Oh, yeah. uh, Chippo was lovely, but Paul was a, a riot. And he says, My travelling companion up to Belfast was none other than the wonderful Bernard Cribbins. Ooh, Ooh, lucky man. Man. The man. Not the man himself, though. I had his audiobook reading reading of Beautiful Chaos on my player as I made my way up north, and I have to say it was a lovely read. There were definitely a few scenes in that story that give the end of Journey's End a run for its money. Definitely an escape pod disc for me. So having read the book, yes. Then he goes on to uh, talk about Star Trek the film. He says, I thought it was a great movie and an interesting reset on the whole Trek franchise. Zachary Quinto was a great Spock and likewise Pine as Kirk. Going to have my reservations about Carl Urban as McCoy. For God's sake, Jim, he's a doctor as the third marshal of the ridden mark. <laughs> the rider mark. But I'm happy to say he got bonus character-isms down to a T. Less convinced by Peg as Scotty. The accent kept creeping back into Peg's own a bit too much for my liking. I mean, if David Tennant can slip from his Scottish lilt to the doctor's multi-mile-an-hour lingo, how hard can it be for Peg to go the other way? Quite hard by the this sounds of it. This person's never tried to speak Scottish ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Mind you, I'd love to see David Tennant have a stab at being Scotty. I still can't understand why there's yet to be any retrieval team for Spock Senior from the future as we left to rot in the past. Isn't that the future's different now? Yeah. Spock hasn't gone back in time. Is that not right? He's gone, he's formed a second possible future yeah, so and he's the, in that one. Yeah, the future now hasn't gone back in time. Yeah. Yep. He carries on. Got to go now. This obsession of mine with the McCoy character means I'm now 
singing his lines from the Star Trekking song. Despite the fact I've never heard the song. Dead Jim, dead Jim, dead Jim, dead Jim, dead I've no idea how the lines got into my head. Live long and prospect them hills. Scardis. Thank you, Scardis. Well, our next letter here comes from Benjamin Elliott of This Week in Doctor Who. Hello, Benjamin! He sends a nice little ditty to us here. Good morning, team. It's uh, 9.42 at night, actually. <laughs> Minor technicality. Yeah. Minor technicality. Okay. He says, dating back in 2008, the disembodied head of John Pertwee has been Ooh. stalking him, wanting <laughs> staggering stories covered in the podcast section of This Week in Doctor Who column. Ooh. After a mount of property damage from the laser box fired by Pertwee eyes, it's all lies, I tell you, he came up with an entry that seemed to settle him down. However, he still turns up there frequently. I don't think we can actually get him to stop visiting you. No. Sorry. He's a law unto himself. He is his own head. Mm-hmm. He does as he will. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's actually been listening to the podcast <laughs> and enjoying himself quite a bit. Oh, good. Fake Keith should be commended on an excellent recreation of the voice of Sandy Tolstick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got a laugh. He's listened to most of the recent staggering stories, the earliest episodes, and a few of the middle ones. Reaching back into the bowels of 2007, I hope you had rubber gloves on at the time, <laughs> there was an overview of Star Trek brought back on the fourth podcast. Your view of Star Trek as the ultimate American sci-fi programme, coupled mm-hmm. with the new film release, just now gave me a thought. What would a UK remake of Star Trek look like? So, Star Trek The Next Generation, obvious choice, becomes Star Trek UK. Mm-hmm. This would be highly original in 1987, as would most of modern television. You script this version, you could cast another version and script it, you could ignore it all <laughs> and have pert we made firebolts on your lawn. <laughs> it does terrible things to your lawn. So, here we go. Benjamin's casting, based on 1987. Ooh. Okay. Jean-Luc Picard, paid by Jeffrey Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Riker. Paid by Patrick Ford. <laughs> he didn't write that. Bit of living here. Yeah, just want to point Counselor it out. Councillor Deanna Troy, Marina Sturtis, mm. Commander Data, Patrick Ford. <laughs> Stuart. In the swim shorts. I'm spotting a flaw here uh, already. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Crusher, Marina Sturtis, Sturtis, Geordie mm-hmm. LaForge, Patrick Stewart. Yep, definitely <laughs> a flaw. Tasha Yar. Marina Sturcy. I think he's a bit obsessed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley Crusher, Matthew Waterhouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. Guinan, Marina Sturcy. She's going to have mm-hmm. a lot to yeah. say. A lot of running yeah. around. Wolf, Phil Morris. Okay. <laughs> None of us can think who Phil Morris is. No. Chief O'Brien, Sylvester McCoy. Honest, <laughs> I didn't kill Doctor Who. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Kiko O'Brien, Louise Jameson. Open brackets, recurring, close brackets, the O'Brien's baby, toddler, young kid, Georgia Moffat, open brackets, teething, close brackets, Luxana Troy, Judy Dench, and Q, Patrick McGowan. Yeah, he's still alive. He was then. He was then, he's not now. Benjamin feels that some people think he can be a tad verbose, and he shall write them a mere... 25,000 word response explaining his brevity. God. Not to us, then. <laughs> no. We haven't got that much printer ink. And for now, he sends regards from his little corner of the USA, so we send regards back. Regards! 
Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Benjamin. That was relatively short compared to some of the others today. Yes. <laughs> We've heard from Steve Gray. Hello, Hello Steve. Steve. He says, Hello, team, minions of Head of Patouille. <laughs> mm, not sure. Well, worship him. Worship <laughs> him. Following on from hearing you mentioned on the Tin Dog podcast a couple of months ago, I've spent the intervening time listening from the start, you mad fool. (laughs) I've enjoyed every single one of the shows, especially the playground humour and silly Silly voices. voices. (laughs) That's that's real Keith, that's his proper voice. Playground (laughs) humour? Silly voices? At last, a podcast pitched to my level. (laughs) I've recently finished a four-year part-time degree another person doing a degree. (laughs) And my first time lady will hopefully be joining my wife and I at the end of June. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jess. So this is the first chance I've had to write in. Steve, for some reason, has watched Dimensions in Time. You mad And he's come to a couple of conclusions. I hope he had a bottle of something. Yes. One, Perry actually looks better with clothes on. (laughs) Who'd have thought it? Allowing a woman to dress like a woman rather than a blow-up doll. (laughs) Two, the Rani has a comedy wall on which she keeps Cybermen and Time Lords. The decades must just fly by. And finally... He never said it was a long list. Thank God. <laughs> the story sees the introduction of the other two heavyweights of the Time Lord Thespian Triumvirate, the head of Hartnell and the head of Troutman. Oh, oh no. Nice. Worship, worship. We're going to have to see <laughs> if we can get those. Mm. Acting the likes of which even 3D television was incapable of expressing. Breathtaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sarcasm mode off. Okay. <laughs> Sarcasm, where was that? Steve says, anyway, keep up the fabulous work. I'd like to hear an in-depth interview of when John Major became the cyber leader, hence being grey, and an yes. investigation into why the spiders from Metabilis 3, according to Real Keith's impression in a recent podcast, sounded a bit like the Aquaphibians from Stingray. What are you talking about? Sarcasm mode off really honest this time. Uh-huh. Time to get back to the ship, Norma. Can't oh, help <laughs> We'll write again on. once my daughter learns to sleep correctly, mm. allowing her mum and dad to sleep again in 15 years' time. <laughs> 15 years? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, we're on 21 years and still hoping. <laughs> in 15 years' time, he gets no sleep because his daughter's out all night. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you wait till the teenage years, pal. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Stop yeah. gloating. Stop gloating. Any more letters? And we'll have one here from Joshua in Sacramento. Hello, Joshua. Hello, Joshua. Again. Hi, gang, he says. I'm sure I'm not the first to email in on this topic, but here goes anyway. This past Saturday, the 9th, I went to see the new Star Trek movie with some old friends. Yay. Their friends and friends of their friends, etc. Wow. I think we took up half the theatre. <laughs> I was afraid going in that the hype would be too much for the film to stand up to. Would J.J. Abrams destroy a beloved franchise, I wondered. Well, not to worry, we all loved it. Yay. Good man. Filled with plenty of in-jokes and character and continuity references to satisfy the fans, but not so much as to overwhelm any newbies in the audience. My wife was one of them. She never watched an an episode of any of the series. Never watched any of the movies. Can you believe it? No. (laughs) How could you I can't imagine there are very many Star Trek virgins left in America. (laughs) And I'm married to one. Well, she was one. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Josh was wandered off the hunt. Yeah, were, were they sitting in the back row? <laughs> Sounds like they were sitting in all the rows. <laughs> right, now down to brass tacks. Multiple spoiler alert. Spoiler music, spoiler, spoiler music. music. La 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 la. I think it's a bit late for that. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff alight. 
We find out why Kirk calls McCoy bones. Yep. Yeah. The very industrial, stripped-down look of the engineering sections of both the Enterprise and the USS Kelvin. They really looked much more authentic than the typical computer-covered walls, carpeted floors, <laughs> and a big tube of the light show inside. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek uh, usually serves up. The sparkly effect on the front of the engine nacelles. First time since the original series we've seen that. The bridge view screens. Instead of big screen TVs, they were actual windows. Or should I say portholes? They also <laughs> had display capability. Beautiful. Real character drama. Even though we'd never had met Kirk's parents before, and it took a while to realise who they were, they were written and acted like real people that we cared about. Captain Pike's final scene in a wheelchair <laughs> reminded me of his final appearance in the original series. He comes off much better here. Yes. <laughs> the aliens, all of them, and this and number five and a few other reasons, I kept thinking throughout the movie. This is what the Star Wars prequels should have been. Yeah. What would J.J. Abrams have done with them if he'd been given the chance? Yeah. <laughs> and finally, just about everything else. <laughs> the stuff I didn't like. Ooh. The odd romance between Spock and Uhura. That seemed a bit random. The one plot hole which may not really be one. Yeah. Why didn't anyone Vulcan uh, do to the drill what Spock did at the end? Yeah. They're a feder- they are Federation members, so why does no one on the planet have any craft with weapons? Yeah. Oh, well, I think it was stated that Vulcans are pacifist, or maybe I'm thinking of Star Wars again. <laughs> Alderaan is a peaceful planet. They have no weapons. Kaboom. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Mr. Abrams gave himself a major escape clause for changing the Star Trek universe when it becomes clear, and Spock says it, so there's no confusion, that... Major spoiler alert! Major spoiler alert! Major, spoiler alert. major, major, major. That this is an alternate reality from the one that all the Star Trek we know takes place in. Anyway, I think I'm going back to see it again, and I can't oh, wait shit. to see what the sequel will be like. TTFN, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, it is a bit curious why he has so little resistance, really, mm, in Federation yeah. space. But what about Earth? I know he took out defences, but still, mm. they'd have ships, wouldn't they? Yeah, I would have thought so. They're obviously going for an economy crisis yeah. like we are now, you know, boom and blast. Exactly. Can't afford the fuel. <laughs> must be, must be. Any more letters, El Presidente? We have a quick one here from Eric. Hi, Eric. Oh, hello. hello, Eric. He says, Dear team and HOP. <laughs> Houses of Parliament? <laughs> no. That's nice of you, but. I'm merely writing to say that I shan't have time to write before this upcoming podcast. Oh, oh Eric. Oh, oh. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. It's nice to hear from you. Clearly, that's not true. But anyway. uh, yours, Eric, from Alexandra. <laughs> uh, P.S. If I don't have time to write anything next time, I write, I write to you to let you know again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We like <laughs> to keep a... letting us know hmm. you had nothing. Time to tell mm. us. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to keep abreast of the situation. Yeah. Mm. PPS, great job. <laughs> <laughs> and we have one very quick thing from a blog from Nathan B. Oh, hey, Nathan. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Nathan. Who has a one-liner, shadow puppets on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are extremely odd. Yeah. Oh, thank you, keep Nathan. Keep <laughs> <laughs> these random <laughs> insults that our yeah. listeners chucked yeah. at us. Well, you're complaining the letters are too long, and you've got a couple of short ones. True, true. <laughs> She's never happy. I, oh, I know, no. I know. Thank you very much for all your feedback. You're yeah, all okay. absolutely wonderful. If you'd like to write to us, you can get in touch via show at staggeringstories.net If you could keep it below 25,000 words it would be much appreciated. <laughs> so, regrettably, that brings us to the end of another podcast. But in the next one, more of the same. More news and reviews. More fun, frivolity and jollity. Until then, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. Farewell. Goodbye. Au revoir. More nervous than a nana to penguin shoot. You're a very odd mm-hmm. man. Mr. Tambourine Man!
Hang on, that let me. man try. has no neck. Ooh. How does, How he, does smell? he smell? Oh, it's terrible. Fellow citizens. What's my motivation? MP3 ify it yeah. and send it off to. She's gone into techno babbling. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> if I really want to annoy Keith, I start talking about G verb alterations and that. And yeah. <laughs> really puts me off. Is I'm going past the bedroom to grab something from the other wall of the bathroom, and, stuff, and I've got those two voices coming out from my bedroom laughing. <laughs> to make a change, it's usually just my voice laughing. <laughs> Bilbo. 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 It's ridiculously catchy, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of expects his Smurfs to appear in it. <laughs> God, I thought he was going to go into the chorus then. I'm all yeah. disappointed. <laughs> Bilbo! Bilbo! <laughs> That's staying in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you realise this is going to end up at the end <laughs> probably <laughs> gosh he's a brave little hobbit <laughs> I really object to this summing up of one of the best books ever <clears throat> right, I'm going to do a shout now. When I... <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have gone before you left. <laughs> From one madman to another. I've forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> you got it wrong. Oh, you dear. got it wrong. I've forgotten. <laughs> oh, no. One madman to an insane, dilapidated woman. <laughs> Sharp. <laughs> okay, okay. No, there was some. Oh, Bugger and I planned something and I've forgotten it. Oh, no. Was it sophisticated? I should have written it down. Was it yes. sophisticated and witty? It was sophisticated and witty. <laughs> there was a pun in it and everything. <laughs> it was like being at work but without the stress. <laughs> oh well. Try again. I'll try again. Okay. Bottom. <laughs> we shall not discuss the lavender passage. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you just made an ass of yourself. The lavender passage. That's what it was mentioned. Uh, Don't try and talk. No, 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 I never heard no. that. <laughs> Lovers of the lavender passage. <laughs> what with those control panels and the big airlock sign on the wall? Sorry, Monty Python. <laughs> He's been a very naughty boy. Are there any women here? I'm sorry, I thought we'd started. <laughs> There's going to be a bumper outtake section. Where's I've men? lost you, Win. Come back 